to come up and share her sermon for today. Thanks, Eunice. Thank you, Hamish. Okay, let us pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for your grace, for your love for us, that we get together together this morning with our brothers and sisters and to hear your word and to worship you. Um, and we give thanks for that. And we pray that you will open up our eyes and our ears to hear your message and for us to walk out um, of this church um, with a transformed heart, um, with a heart that that is um, that's in love with you and that seeks to pursue you, Lord. Thank you, and we pray all these in Jesus' most mighty name. Amen. So, last week, Caleb talked about advice, particularly parental advice, and we recognized that some of the advice we get are questionable, but some were actually helpful to our growth. So this morning, I want to talk about inspirational quotes. So basically, they are cleverly worded phrases that are meant to be relevant, but inspiring and empowering at the same time. So has anyone come across any of these quotes, maybe online or social media or something like that? Yep. Well, when I first started using Facebook, it's an old thing now, apparently, inspirational quotes were a thing. And maybe it still is, I don't know. But I was one of those people that would post them everywhere and, and even set them as my cover photo on my profile. But there's one famous Christian quote that I believe all of us here have heard of. Let go and let God. It sounds ridiculously easy and simple, yet confusing at the same time. What are we supposed to let go of? And let God do what? Does it mean we just do nothing and give up all our control and, and let God do it all? Well, no. When I say this phrase, to let go and let God, I don't mean choosing to give up and let God clean up our mess or to dump everything onto God and cross our arms and do nothing. What I mean by letting go and letting God is the process of submitting ourselves to God and surrendering, surrendering all that we have before him. It is acknowledging that God is God and we are not. So this morning I want to read this passage from James through the lens of letting go and letting God. Maybe there's something we're holding on to that God is asking us to let go of. Maybe he's inviting us into a reality that requires us to just let go and let him. As we know by now, James is all about faith being lived out. It's all about pursuing to live a holy life that demonstrates visual evidence of love, humility, and obedience towards God. But how are we going to reach that? How do we let go and let God in this? In the first half of James 4 to 5, 1 to 6, a very long passage, thank you, Hamish, um, James brings up this reoccurring theme of God versus the world. And believers are confronted to make a decision of whether they will live for the world or to live for God. Here, James even calls them adulterers because 
they were unfaithful to God by committing themselves to worldly desires and, committed, uh, and corrupted way of living. Here, in four, chapter 4, verse 4, James says, Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. I want to read to you the same verse and up to verse 6 in, but in the message version because I think it explains more as to why James addresses them as adulterers. So here in the message it says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your way, is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And don't you suppose God and do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he is a fiercely je jealous lover, and what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud. God give, gives grace to the willing humble. So we, as we reached the second half of the passage from James together, We'll understand more as to what James means when he urges believers to choose God over the world. He's introducing us to a way of living that requires surrendering and humility. And on the other hand, it is also a way of living that gets to fully experience God's provision in love and in grace. So we're reading from chapter 4, 11 um, to 12. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save and or, or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? The first let go and let God is to let go and to let God judge. How often do we replace the word God with something else? Let me judge. Let me tell you who is wrong here. How often do we use the scripture to condemn other people? Sometimes I do that too where I criticize others without recognizing my own brokenness and sins. God takes judgment very seriously. He himself is the righteous judge who is perfect and sinless in every way. He does not judge by appearances, but judges with the right judgment. And every judgment he makes is based on truth and love. So we as sinful humans, can we judge like God does? Of course not. In fact, James is very clear about what our role is as humans which is to simply obey the law. It is God who gave the law who has the authority and power to judge us with it. In Matthew, Jesus himself teaches us not to judge, or we too will be judged. For in the same way we judge others, we will be judged, and with the same measure we use, it will be measured to us. So let go of our corrupted mindset and behaviors against each other, and let God be the judge. Verse 13 to 17. Look here, you who say, 
Today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do, do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plan, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What do you think we're asked to let go of in this part? I think we're asked to let go of our control, of our pride, and of our self-centeredness. Let that all go and let God plan. Proverbs 16.9 says that we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. From our experience of lockdown and living in bubbles last year and earlier this year, we may have come to realize that life is very unpredictable and plans can change, whether we like it or not. Maybe we've planned to travel overseas or to start our new jobs or even, even having our own weddings, but nothing seemed to go as planned. So the question for us is, how much do we trust God enough to believe that he's a God of hope and even if our plans fail or change, he still loves us and he's in fact creating a future for each and one of us that is intended to prosper and to bless us. As we look at our calendars, do we leave space for God to work? Do we make ourselves available for God to use for his mission? Are we flexible enough to just get up and respond to God's calling whenever he calls? Or do we just fill our calendars with plans or events that satisfy our own desires? Chapter 5, chapter five 1 to 6. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded, and the very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of Heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfy, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Here, James is writing a warning against the rich landowners who were oppressing the poor for their own prophets. Um, and what I noticed from these people is their dissatisfaction in life. In today's world, dissatisfaction can cause all sorts of sinful acts, such as cheating in relationship, unfair business practices, abuse of drugs or alcohol, or addictions. And they all grow from 
a lack of contentment in life because at the very root of our dissatisfaction is a never-ending thirst that nothing in this world can satisfy. But fortunately, we have Jesus. If we are content and fully satisfied by God's provision, we will not try to think of ways to cheat or to treat others unfairly for our own benefits. In fact, we probably do the opposite, which is to bless other people because God has blessed us. Psalm 23 begins with, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. This verse is filled with confidence and conviction in knowing that Jesus himself is enough. Therefore, there is no need to chase after anything else in this world. And Hebrews teaches us to keep our lives free from the love of money and be content with what we have because God has promised us that he will never leave us nor forsaken us. So are we willing to let go of our selfish desires and let God himself satisfy us? Can we let his own presence be the only thing we want? When we learn to let go of our pursuit of earthly fulfillment, we can let God satisfy us in every way possible. Letting go and letting God is not choosing the easy way. It requires humility, like I said at the very beginning. Humility is practicing compassion and forgiveness rather than judgment or condemnation. Humility is realizing one, how far one has fallen short as a need, and is in need of God's guidance and grace. Humility is acknowledging that God is our provider and we are content and grateful for what we receive. Humility is humbling oneself before God. Letting go and letting God is the outwork of humility, which is exactly what James means by faith in action. And when James urges believers to choose God over the world, he's referring to the ongoing commitment of dying to self and letting God be the center of it all. James is not about coming up with new theological ideas, but his teaching constantly echoes with Jesus' own life. Isn't Jesus himself the perfect example of letting go and letting God? He submits himself to fulfill the will of the Father, and in doing so, he had to let go of many things. So are we willing to let go and let God? Are we willing to live in humility for God and to let his will be done in our lives? Are you ready to commit yourself to this new way of living? So as a response to the passage we read this morning, I would like us all to participate in this activity. So here I have sticky notes um, on the tables around the corner. Um, and what I'd like you to do is to grab a sticky note and write down one thing that you want to let go of and let God do. Maybe through this passage you feel encouraged or even convicted to stop judging others and let God be the judge. Or maybe you feel encouraged to submit your plans of the future to a God who knows and will give you the best. I don't know what it is that God is asking you to let go of, 
But if you feel urged in any way, I would like you to write it down in a sentence, or if you're comfortable, write it in a more detailed. And I'll, once you're done writing on the piece of paper, I'd like you to stick on the walls around the church. And let us pray together over the things that you wrote. As a church, a body of Christ, may we hold a space of love, vulnerability, and accountability for each other. May this activity truly be an act of letting go and letting God, and the witness of our brothers and sisters whom we can lean on. So I'll invite Tamish to explain a bit more as to what um, we're going to do. Thank you, Eunice. So um, there's a couple at the front, some at the side and one at the back, tables with these stick-it notes. Do come and um, pause for a moment if you need to reflect on, on that. But come and put down on those stick-it notes that thing that you are wanting to submit back to God. Um, you don't have to put your name on it, but I do invite you to put a little detail because we're then going to invite people to pray in regard to what you've put on those notes um, a little after. So we have a few minutes to do that and there'll be a bit of music in the background, but, but please come and use those as you're ready.